worship everyone. Blows my mind just how gifted these people are and how willing their hearts are to use their gifts and their talents and to develop them to a greater capacity to lead the people of God into his presence musically as we come together. If you have a copy of scripture with you this morning, I want to invite you to open up to Acts chapter 20 and Proverbs chapter 11. Acts 20 and Proverbs chapter 11. We're starting a brand new series this morning called Generous, and we're pressing in to the idea of becoming in the fullness of what God has intended for us to be a community who gives. Generous people. And as we get started this morning in this series, on this journey, I just want to set the tone. I want to set the precedent for being generous in this season among these people. Can we do that this morning? I want you to know that right out of the gates, out of the generosity of our hearts, we're offering not one, but two Easter services this spring. April 12th, just around the corner. Let's give God some glory for that. I didn't think it was worth giving him glory either, so uh, let's try one more time. Come on, let's give God some glory for that, church. Two services on Easter Sunday, 2020. Here's the heart behind this. Last year, we saw God bring an overwhelming number of people into the one service that we had planned last spring to the point that we overflowed by 100 people into the foyer. And we believe because God has continued to steadily bring growth to the family of Shannon Oak Church, that this year the best measure of stewarding those that come is to give them a greater capacity to engage what God is doing among Shannon Oak Church as we come together. Amen? And so on, on Easter Sunday, April the 12th, just around the corner, five weeks away, we're going to be offering service number one at 915. Now listen. I know that some of you want to be here at 9.15 on Sunday morning. I know that's your heart. But we, for those that, that don't desire to be here at 9.15 on Sunday morning, we're going to offer a second service at 11.15. So here's the schedule so you can see the, the beauty behind what God has led us to follow him into for Easter Sunday. Service one will run from 9.15 to 10.30. Then, because Shannon Oaks Church, one of the most beautiful things about you is your capacity to connect in relationship and to love one another before and after services. Because we will effectively be uh, gathering in two service times, we want to give you guys that are used to loving on each other every Sunday the capacity to still do that. And so we have a 45-minute window or 40-minute window from 10.30 to 11.10 in between the two services where you guys can feel free to connect with one another um, even though you may not be worshiping in the same service on that Easter Sunday morning. And then service two will pick up at 11.15 and carry us through to 12.30. Now, how many of you, I know some of you have just heard about this this morning. How many of you would anticipate being at the 915 service? Just raise your hand this morning. Okay, awesome. How many of you anticipate being at the 1115 service? Okay, a few of you. Right, that's great. How many of you are anticipating coming to both services? I love it. I love it. Well, so listen to this. 
because our capacity is going to be greater, and Easter is a natural opportunity for people who are not normally connected to church to come and be a part of a gathering of a local church, we're asking in the five weeks between now and Easter Sunday that you invite one person per week. Five people between now and Easter for every person in here. Now listen, we believe that God is going to be fruitful in our uh, partnership in this journey. And so you're going to be getting some more information about this specific week's ask at the end of our service today as our brother Jose Mondejano comes to, to close our service together this morning. But be prayerful about what God is going to do through the two services of Shannon Oaks Church as we come together on Easter Sunday. I believe God has greater things that he wants to pour out on this family. Amen? Amen. Back to the generosity of our hearts, a community who gives. Growing up in middle school and high school, and I know that that dates some of uh, us in the room today, but I always longed for something that everyone seemed like everyone else had, but I didn't have. There was something that they wore on their feet that just made me covet what they had. You want to know what it was? A paradox. Doc Martens. Anybody remember Doc Martens? You know what? I want you to know, for those who had a pair of Doc Martens, they are still being sold in department stores across America today. I saw a pair just a month ago. And so, for anybody who's feeling exceptionally generous to their pastor, size 11, Never had that opportunity. Please don't do that. Please. Please. I want to press into this idea of paradox this morning because in the conversation of generosity, there is a tremendous paradox that plays itself out. So some of you are thinking, what in the world is he talking about? He talked about a pair of boots and shoes, and now he's talking about something with generosity. Uh, a paradox in the English language refers to a truth that contradicts itself. A, a, a statement that is communicated that doesn't really line up with what the sentiment of it actually is. For instance, perfectly relevant this morning, spring forward. I don't see much springiness in this room this morning, right? It just contradicts itself. Uh, any sophomores? in the room this morning, sophomores, high school or college, any sophomores? All right, a few of you. The word sophomore is a paradox because in its original language, it means wise fool. It just doesn't add up. Now, that's not a statement of condemnation on you sophomores this morning. Here's my favorite paradox. You ready? Is, you'll appreciate this. Less is more. <laughs> Telling you. Some of you people will get there. Some of you people will get there. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is finding himself in the last moments that he will have physically engaging the church in Ephesus. And as this conversation with Paul and the church in Ephesus is recorded, we see that Paul has invested 
approximately three years of his life into the ministry of this church. But he wasn't just uh, present with them physically. As the scripture indicates, he was invested in them emotionally. He had shed many tears along the way. You guys know what that's like with your kids and with, 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 with teams that you've coached, how you've given so much to the cause for who they are. And he knows, the Apostle Paul knows that this is his final physical encounter, his last opportunity to influence them, to leave them with a charge. And so surely, as we open up to Acts chapter 20 this morning, surely the Apostle Paul is about to give them an enthusiastic, invigorating charge in the way of a battle cry that will send them out storming the gates of hell in that city and all throughout the land, right? Look in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews, and I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I've had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God, and of having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Man, an encouraging charge, right? All right, here here he goes. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the gospel will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I didn't shrink back from declaring all that God wants you to know. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. Paul says, I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. And then this is his last statement. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Father, you know our hearts. You know our actions. You see us when no one else does. Father, would would you bring about the transformation in our hearts today through the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit so that we align with the reality that Paul just talks about to the church in Ephesus, that we would live by the anthem that it is more blessed to give than to receive. For your glory, Lord, 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Paul's last words to the church in Ephesus. I want to consider just for a moment what Paul didn't say in his final charge to this church. Paul did not say to the church, you need to memorize more scripture. He didn't say, you need to pray more when no one else is watching. He didn't say, you need to go out and evangelize more. He didn't even say, you need to sin less. He didn't say anything along those lines, but rather he communicates what we know today as the generosity paradox. And he leaves the church in Ephesus with a statement that seems to contradict itself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I want you to ask your neighbor this morning, don't you want to be more blessed? Paul is saying to the church this morning that generosity is not what you think. He said, it is not at all what you may have considered it to be. I want to just put myself on the platform of normal this morning and, 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 and acknowledge that, that normally, right, we measure our blessings by what we receive, right? Man, I am so blessed. I have all these things that I can count that I have been given and entrusted. And, and all these measures of blessing in my life are marked by the things that I have received. But Paul says there is a new measure for blessing, church, by the gifts you give away. Paul says you want to be generous? Give it away. And for Paul in verse 24... He knew that he had lived his life in such a way that he modeled this for everyone who cared to watch and observe. He said in verse 24, he said, the only thing that brought value to his life was the act of giving it away freely. We look from Genesis to Revelation, and we see consistently over and over and over again, that God is a God who gives. Can I tell you this morning, Shannon Oak Church, that we, in, a, in, in alignment with God's word, have been made in the image of God? Therefore, those, those nature characteristic virtues that are true of God are true of who he has made us to be. We represent God when we give. I wanted to say this morning that, that we look most like God when we give, but there are so many things that, that, that the Bible talks about are characteristic and are, are true of God that I can't say we look most like God when we give because God loves and he forgives and he is merciful. But we represent God when we give because we are made in his Image, Genesis chapter 1, we see that God has, says to, to man, I give you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount, and he's, he tells the people, he said, if you fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more does our heavenly Father give perfect gifts to his children? John three sixteen. for God so loved, he gave 
James chapter 1 tells us that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And this morning we have to wrestle with these words that are attributed to Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 20. That it is more blessed to give than to receive. So obviously, when we start talking about generosity and we start talking about giving, obviously we're going to talk to some degree about money. I know that makes some of you very uncomfortable, but I want you to know that I'm not going to give you my words about money. I'm going to give you what God says about money. So if you have a problem with it, take it up with him. How do you like that? I dodged that bullet pretty good, didn't I? But it's so true of our hearts that when we talk about money in the church, we begin to get very uncomfortable. But as we see in this series and as we continue on this journey, we're going to see that that there's a reason that money connects with our hearts. And we're going to see that there's a reason that God calls us to be generous people because it lends us to be more of his people. In the conversation of generosity this morning, though, as we get started, I want you to know, I want you to understand that generosity is not the same as spending. Giving and being generous is not the same as spending. Some of you are fantastic spenders. No elbow nudging, right? Some of you are fantastic spenders. You're good at disposing of money, but you may not be so great with being generous with money. There's a tremendous difference Though they both may result in in that resource leaving your hand and your direct possession, there's a tremendous difference between giving and spending. And parents and grandparents, I just want to take the moment this morning to, to tell you that in the lives of your children and grandchildren, this principle of generosity is so much easier to learn when you're young than when you get older. It's a whole lot easier to, to, to understand the value in parting ways with a dollar or a few cents instead of when it gets to a bigger scale and we're talking about hundreds and thousands of dollars and a few cents, right? It's so much easier to tackle that conversation when they're young. Instill that in your children and your grandchildren now, for the glory of God and the growth of his kingdom in the future. You know, worldly wisdom around us says regarding money, it says, make as much as you can and keep as much as you make. The more you give, the less you have. And the less you give, the more you have. That's what worldly wisdom around us speaks to the church about money. How many of you have, don't raise your hands, but how many of us are living our lives today centered on the principles of worldly wisdom regarding resources and money? That the more you make, the more you have, and and the more you give, the less you have. But spiritual wisdom coming from God says something completely different. Solomon, who is attributed to being the author of the book of Proverbs and also attributed as being the wisest man in the Bible, if not on the earth ever, Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, Solomon says this. 
give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Amazing, that paradox of generosity. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Paul doesn't say it's not blessed to receive, so I don't want to issue a guilt trip on somebody who's, who's been really good at receiving this morning. Paul doesn't say it's not blessed to receive. He just says it's more blessed to give than to receive. The Bible doesn't speak about money in terms of earning and spending. Very, 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 very rarely does it speak about money and resources in the way of income and outcome, right? The Bible uses another principle and concept to speak of the resources that have been entrusted to God's people. He speaks of them through this uh, analogy of sowing and reaping. Think about that just for a minute. As a farmer takes the, the, the harvest from the field and, and he sets a few uh, of its seeds back so that he can put them back into the ground to produce another harvest. Now, now follow us back all the way to the beginning of time. Somewhere, someone said, you know, I know we normally use this to eat, but instead of eating it, I just want you to trust me in this. I'm going to take this perfectly good food and I'm going to put it in the ground, and I'm going to bury it, right, so that we can't not only taste it, but we can't even see it. And, and, and then somewhere along the way, it's going to be as if something in the sky calls down to that thing in the ground and says, wake up, come alive, and be fruitful. And lo and behold, this concept of sowing and reaping, this idea of bringing in the harvest of things that, is per, things that are perfectly good and consumable now have the opportunity to go back into the ground and to multiply on an exponential level. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and he uses this idea of sowing and reaping, and he says, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop, and God will generously provide all you need, and God will produce a great harvest of generosity in you, and you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. It's amazing. It's illogical. And in some ways, it seems to contradict itself. But it's not a worldly wisdom principle. It's a supernatural principle. You know, things in the spiritual realm don't follow the principles of the earthly realm. And when God says, this is how I created it to work, then we have received the invitation to comply with his design. The results aren't up to us. The results are up to him. And can I tell you this morning that there are many in this room and there are many who have gone before us who would testify in the presence of God Almighty and say that he has never not once let us down. He has been faithful. 
And so as we begin this journey toward generosity, as I said before, we're going to talk about money because the Bible talks about money. And so I don't want that to be a turn off for you. I want that to be an opportunity for you to lean in and listen and just see, is there something that the Lord wants to prune in you? Is there something that the Lord wants to sow into you? Is there something that he wants to reap a harvest from you and through you in this conversation? We talked about it earlier in the beginning of our service. We, every week we have our giving boxes back here at the back of the room. We, we collect tithes and offerings, and this is in alignment with the principle of, of God's charge to bring the first fruits back to him. And we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. But I want you to be looking ahead and prayerfully considering, is this the time for you to begin taking God at his word? Is this the season for you to take that step of faith? That seems illogical. That seems to contradict itself. That the more you give, the less you have. Or is it an opportunity for you to take God at his word and experience the blessing of obedience and faith? We're going to offer a 90-day tithing challenge in a couple of weeks when we talk about tithes and offerings. Maybe this is your opportunity to go beyond where you've been before. Maybe this is your opportunity to, to trust the Lord in cultivating that generous heart that he says he created you to have. But as you pray about that, I want you to have a posture of holding your hands open before the Lord and not closed. Open your hands in the presence of God. How many of you know what this contraption is on the screen here? Yeah, a few of you. I, I recognize that. The good old Chinese finger trap. I'll never forget the first time that I experienced that. Man, I looked dumb. I could not for the life of me figure out how to get my fingers out of that thing. Because when you put your fingers into the, the trap... Then you try and pull them apart. Guess what? They ain't coming. And the more harder you try, the harder it is to get them out of there. And as long as you begin to follow your instinct, you, you realize that instinct leads you to a place where you don't have control anymore. In fact, you're a slave to something else. As little and as powerless as that little trap may be, it can bind the biggest of men. But the moment that I suspect that going against the instinct might actually be the path to freedom, guess what? Freedom becomes not just a dream but a reality. How many of us are stuck in the conversation of generosity? How many of us have done what we believe to be instinctively the right thing to do? And yet we find ourselves stuck, trapped, bound. God says he has so much more. In fact, 
when we begin to partner with God in this journey of generosity, we begin to discover the reality that we cannot, nor has it ever once happened, outgive God. Because when he owns it all and he gives it all, when we join him in that mission, we begin to discover that as soon as we give, he's got so much more ready to to give through us. We cannot exhaust our supply in God. I I think it's really interesting throughout the book of Acts, there are numerous acts of generosity that are accounted for. And every time, every time that generosity is, is expressed in the book of Acts, it's followed by a statement of growth every time. We tend to believe that churches, once we grow, then we can be generous. But God lays the pattern out for us. He says generous churches are the ones that grow. Can I tell you, Shannon Oaks Church, that God wants this church to grow? He wants this body to join him in his mission of generosity, to be a good and perfect giver here on the earth as we welcome the kingdom of heaven here on earth. The principle of the generosity paradox is very clear. Very clear. I didn't say it was easy. I said it's very clear. Grasping, we lose. Letting go, we gain. And God gets glory. God's going to be glorified regardless. That's who he is, and that's what he deserves. But you and I have the opportunity to join him in that and partake in that. Because receiving and, receiving and, and spending is linear. But giving and generosity is exponential. We see as Jesus talks in Matthew chapter 16 that turning loose of our money is really just practice for turning loose of our souls. The reason that God talks about money so frequently is because there's something greater at stake. But only if we can see it the way he does. Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 and 25 and I'll close with this this morning. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. There is something greater at stake in the conversation of generosity. It's not about your bank account. It's not about your paycheck. It's not even about how much or if you give to the local church. This is about your soul. This is about 
your heart. And God's design is very, very clear. We are made in his image to give like he gives. And the opportunity and the invitation is ours today. Are we going to join him in that journey? Or are we going to hang on as tightly as we can? Are we going to follow our instincts and find ourselves like our fingers in that trap? To be bound and controlled and manipulated by something external to us. I want you to ask God this morning, just right there in the quietness of your heart and your seat today, ask him, is there something, God, that you want to groom in me in the way of generosity? And assuming that God says yes to that question, I want you to ask him to show you what that is. Just show me, God, what it is that you want to groom in me so that I can be generous like you. And then I want to ask you, are you ready to follow him? Are you ready to live in alignment with the design that he has for your life? Maybe you're here today and you have never had the opportunity or the invitation to lay down your life so that you might find it in Jesus Christ. If that's you today, man, what a world awaiting you. Man, what a father with open arms just longing to reconnect with you. If the Holy Spirit is stirring that in your heart today, today is a great day to respond. And as our ministry team comes to the front and the back of the room this morning, if you are coming with a need of, of, of for ministry, a need for salvation, whatever your need is, I pray that you would respond as he stirs you even now. Maybe you need to come to the altar. And you need to cry out to God. Maybe you need to spend some time in personal repentance of confession before him. As he just loves you and says, I have greater things in store for you. Whatever that is, I pray that you would respond with obedience and faith. Would you stand to your feet this morning as I pray for you? Heavenly Father, thank you for being generous to us. Never, not once, have we been in need of something that you have withheld from us. Father, I pray for courage in this room today. I pray for the sensitivity to your spirit in the hearts and the souls of each person here. And Father, that ultimately and eternally, they would belong to you, they would represent you here on the earth. And Father, that they would accept the greatness of the invitation that you have laid before us this morning to mirror you in our generosity and our giving. We give you glory, Lord, as we respond in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.